0: This podcast is the production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Every single person has to answer this question. Is there a being that exists outside of myself that we call God? And if that being exists, can he come into my life and affect me? I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan, and this is my podcast, Authentic Faith and Life. Welcome, I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan with Authentic Faith and Life. Thank you for joining me again. The last podcast I talked about basically my first encounter with Our Lady as she revealed herself to me and then ultimately, of course, revealed her son to me in many astounding ways over the years as she stepped back from my life. But first, there were a couple of incredible events that happened with her. And I talked about the first one about uh, infertility issues and then my daughter being born after Our Lady had told me that that I was pregnant with her and, um, and the, the incredible um, sense of the ability of God to show up in our lives and how He can make Himself real to us and prove that He will come into our life and affect it in sometimes profound ways. The second time that Our Lady came to me It was a few years later, I was at home with my girls and my son, who was attending high school then after homeschooling for 10 years, was out. And I got a phone call in the afternoon, about two o'clock in the afternoon, and it was a sheriff from the sheriff's department. And he asked me to go to Lee Memorial Hospital because my son, Cody, had been in an accident. The officer reassured me that he appeared uninjured, but because it seemed his pupils looked dilated and because of his age, they were having him transported to the hospital. He was 14 at this time. I called uh, my nephew to come over to stay with my girls, and I called my ex-husband and my sister. I remember driving down to the hospital and I was angry. There was no fear that my son was injured because the officer had reassured me that he was was just taking him in as a precaution and maybe possibly as a lesson. But I was angry at the fact that my son was using drugs and was stepping out into the world after a home being homeschooled for a period of time and being raised in the church. But we had started to see signs that Cody was in trouble around his birthday in November. He had come in early one night and was kind of unstable and irritable. We thought he was drunk. We had given him a drug test in, that, in September and he had passed it. So if he was using, then it was something new that was happening. He was starting to skip classes. He was starting to stay out late at night. And one night even stayed out the whole night where we didn't know where he was or what was going on. He was no longer interested in hanging out with the family or going to mass. Now, my son was always very open and close to me, so we still had conversation, but it was different. You could tell that there was a sense of guilt with him, and I knew that he was walking into the world, and how could he resist it? The world has much to offer for our kids, and it is somewhat irresistible for them. I I became um, afraid for him sick to my stomach often. Again, this is my firstborn and my first experience. I prayed without ceasing. I demanded for God to step in and work in his life. And I also begged God to bring him up against a wall. I really only had peace when I prayed for my son. And I prayed every day with desperate hope when I went about my life. In early December, I went to a Magnificat woman's prayer breakfast. And afterwards, they had prayer available, and I was prayed with by Father Russell. Father Russell is a wonderful priest, and as he prayed with me, he kind of wrapped himself around me because he was a big fella, and I laid my hands, the backs of them, on his chest as he prayed, and he whispered in my ear as he prayed, and I was enveloped with the love and this priest, and it was very safe and very comforting. And he whispered to me very clearly, the family member you are praying for, the angels are making a way. I knew that he was talking about my son. And I knew that God was coming through and showing me that he was there and involved. And I knew that God was in charge. I continued to pray through Christmas, which was one of the worst Christmases of my life. During that time, my mother had vascular dementia and was continually decompensating before our eyes. I found out Cody was smoking. I was devastated. We ended up traveling to northern Michigan for Christmas, and we spent Christmas Eve in a motel in a small, frozen northern town near my mother's assisted living facility. Cody walked through this frigid town through the evening smoking cigarettes out away from his family, and I cried. I cried for my son that I was losing and also for my mother who was slipping away from me. The one solace that we had was on Christmas morning, we went to the small hometown parish for mass. My ex-husband and I were arguing. It was cold outside and we were miserable. Life was absolutely not what we had expected it to be. And my kid was going in the wrong direction. And my mother was critically ill and I was losing her slowly The priest there, though, spoke of the cross on the top of that church, the beautiful little cross up on a steeple on the top of that church, and the cross on the top of every Catholic church around the world. He spoke of how that cross represents hope for us as the church bears our crosses, the crosses of its people. And he talked about taking up our crosses at the door, as we left and remembering baby Jesus in the nativity and what he would do for us to help us bear those crosses. Later on in the year, then in January, we tried to take my son to a healing mass with a priest named Father McAleer, who has a healing ministry. When it came our time, as we waited during adoration to be prayed with, my son refused to be prayed with and went out to the car But his father stood in for him in proxy and prayed. My son was prayed with in proxy. We made a plea for God's tender protection for him. The next day, I had dropped my middle daughter, Dylan, off at a photography class with the homeschoolers. And some of the moms and I went to a little chapel at St. Cecilia's to pray in front of the, the tabernacle while we waited for our kids. I remember kneeling down in the chapel, and I truly wished I was anyone but myself with the problems that I had with my son and with what was happening with my mother in her life. I was watching my son self-destructing before me. I began to pray for his soul, and I again begged God for some intervention. This is when Our Lady showed up, and I heard that internal knowledge of her saying to me, "'Everything is in place. The way is being made straight.'" It was like a physical message is the only way I can explain it. It was definite, sure, and I could fully accept it. In that time, she also offered to be my spiritual mother and the comfort of her spiritual motherhood, but I refused that because I felt like my mother still could be a mother to me. She still knew my name, and she still reacted in love to me. I got up from kneeling, after a moment, trying to comprehend what had been spoken to me, and I wandered over to the library at St. Cecilia's, and right away I saw a book by Wayne Weibel on the miracles at Mechagoria, And it had been his books that I had read originally about Mechigoria when we lived in Canada and northern Ontario. What I didn't know was this book would be my companion for the next two weeks in the hospital, So back to that day, that following Monday, when my son was admitted to the ER as a precaution. When I walked in, he was encased in a neck brace. I was really angry again at him. I wanted to hit him. I wanted to hold him also. Uh, The doctors were running tests, and we kind of just waited. My sister came in, my sister Brenda. She also was very angry at him. But again, after a minute, when you're looking at him there and he's so helpless and your heart just kind of would melt a little bit. As we talked with Cody, though, we noticed I noticed that his voice began to sound raspy, uh, raspy, like when someone has inhaled helium and their voice kind of gets squeaky, but it fades. As we were standing there, his voice becoming airy and more distant and kind of watery, I had called a priest and the priest came in and heard my son's confession, and my son was open to it, which made me relieved. As the priest was leaving, he was rushed into room one, which was for critical patients. They ordered a CAT scan of his neck and shoulders. They were worried that there was possible damage or injury to his carotid artery, and the CAT scan, was uh, they were unable to read it. They couldn't see clearly whether there was any damage to it, and they were afraid that he would possibly bleed out. Things began to kind of swirl. They ushered us into uh, the ambulance, loaded my son's stretcher into there, and off we headed at high speed with the sirens blaring towards Health Park and to a cardiothoracic specialist and surgery. My sister later told me that she drove in a state of hysteria. My sister, who is a professional, she's a nurse as well, called my other sister, who is an ER nurse, about this injury. And my ER nurse sister, Billy Jo, informed my sister that people did not live through this type of injury. I talked to my son and prayed as we traveled in the ambulance, and I tried to comprehend the word critical and what was happening. As soon as we arrived, he was taken quickly out and up to the fourth floor, the surgical floor, and we did the paperwork to take our firstborn son into surgery and have his torn body repaired. As they prepared him, we had an opportunity to go out and talk to our friends and family. By this time, about 40 people had gathered and were praying. And then we were told by a nurse that we could go back and say goodbye to our son before he was to go into surgery. During this time, because of what had happened to me, I experienced the greatest, tremendous peace as I kissed him and I told him that it would all be okay. And his dad whispered to him in his ear, and we walked out of the room and left our son. I begged his guardian angel, Gabriel, his confirmation name, to fill the operating room with angels. And I talked to Our Lady, who had whispered to me days earlier. But I completely entrusted my son to God and to his will because of the experience I had had days earlier with Our Lady. The waiting area was full of many people, uh, moms with babies, my family members, our homeschooling friends, members of our church. I felt like I was encapsulated in a bubble, a bubble of peace. I was being held up. I was being ministered to. I was encapsulated. There's no other word. I felt like I was carried along in all of this. The surgery took three or four hours, and then the doctor walked out directly into the middle of all of us looking for my ex-husband, and let us know that the surgery had been successful. I remember we had stood in a circle, the 35, 40 of us all, and began to pray, but my legs kept buckling. Then we got to the Glory Bee, and I felt the surge. I felt the surge of the power of the Holy Spirit, and my legs stayed straight and strong to bear me through the rest of this. We were allowed to go to the cardiac ICU, then where my son lay. He had been given medication to keep him in a, an induced coma with a paralytic drug because they didn't want him to move at all and damage the delicate surgery that had been done to his trachea. His eyeballs didn't even move, I remember. And the respirator just made this ongoing, stable sound, continual, steady, in and out. And I watched his chest rise and fall continually, steady, on and on. And my thoughts were, that breath is from God. That breath is from God. That breath is from God. The next day, they began to wean him off the respirator, and he began to be able to breathe on his own. His first words as he began to come back into our presence were to his father and he simply whispered, I'm alive. During the morning, the trauma doctor came up from Lee Memorial to assess him, and he had wanted to see him specifically because he told us that he had never seen an injury like this outside of the morgue. The surgical nurse came in while he was still on the respirator, and she told us as she teared up that she had to come back to see if this boy lived because it was against all odds. And how sad she, she said it would have been that he had paid for his life, for his mistakes. And the pulmonary doctor came in and said he hoped that our son could see this miracle that had happened in his life. We also had a Eucharistic minister come in to us to receive communion. And I remember kneeling down on the hospital floor. And she said to us, you don't, you don't have to kneel down. And I said, oh, yes, I do. His surgeon then came into the room in the waiting room that was off from my son's room and talked to us and told us that he was doing very, very well, considering. He also said that the mortality rate for this type of surgery was 80%. We found out what had happened. My son had been in a car with an 18-year-old boy, a friend of his. They had skipped school together, gotten a six-pack of beer, and then were huffing as they drove around Cape Coral. They were on Coronado Street when the 18-year-old that was driving in a car that had automatic seatbelts, in his delusion under the influence of huffing, he accidentally hit the gas instead of the brake to stop them as they lost control, and he plowed full speed across the median across a lawn and into the side of a house. The kids hit full impact into a house. And the only thing that saved my son's life at that moment was the seatbelt that was on him. It stopped him from going through the windshield and into the wall of the house. But that impact popped his trachea. Cody recovered quickly. And again, people commented on the miracle of all this. 10 days later, He had an opportunity to see Father Groeschel. Father Groeschel had been in an accident the previous year when he was actually traveling to be here in Southwest Florida and to give a mission at St. Raphael's Parish in Lehigh. Cody got the opportunity to sit with Father Groeschel a few minutes before his presentation that had been rescheduled at St. Raphael's. And Father Groeschel spoke these words to my son, "'The life you got back, use it wisely.'" There were many miracles that unfolded during this time. That Monday, the night of his accident, at 7 p.m., Father McAleer was giving another healing mass, and my friends were attending and had heard of the accident. They had asked Father McAleer to pray for Cody, and they prayed him through the surgery. All the people in the church that evening prayed my son through the surgery. So many miracles. Such a clear presence of Our Lady in the beginning. But the rest of it was clearly God showing up. Clearly God showing me that he was real and that he cared and that though he can't stop us from free will, free will is a gift to us. He can never take it away from us. It's the one thing he will never do. And my son made the choices he made, but God stepped into it. He couldn't stop him from his decisions, but he could save his life in it. He could hear the desperate prayer of a mother A mother's heart who was breaking with her firstborn child. A mother's heart that cried out to Our Lady who had suffered as a mom and prayed for his healing and for his safety. He took my desperate prayer and then he wrapped me firmly in our mother's mantle. He let the angels carry me through this whole crisis. To this day, I don't have trauma from that event of my son nearly dying. I don't remember it and experience it. It has trauma. Whenever I think about that, I think about the miracles that happened. I think about how God walked us through clearly, how He walked us through through prayer and through these experiences. And I feel that encapsulated, cocooned feeling of being surrounded by eternal peace. Again, Our Lady of Metragoria came to me. I did not get to go to Metragoria, I did not get to go to that apparition site but Our Lady came to me. Not everyone gets to go to Mechagoria. Sometimes Our Lady is allowed to bring Mechagory to us, like I've demonstrated. That's what I think happened in this as well. We got that mountain experience in our hearts, and we climb it with our prayers. And her constant heart, the heart of a mother, appeals to God to carry us through and to grant our prayers as mothers That happened with me in this situation with my son. And again, the enduring feeling and the enduring sense was the absolute unequivocal conviction that God is real, and when we turn to Him, He cannot resist us, and He will in turn step into our lives and affect it. I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan, and this is Authentic Faith and Life. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan at Authentic Faith and Life on the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and my workshops and speaking events at AuthenticFaithInLife.info.